Always great to be with you on a special edition of Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. This special edition featuring voices from the YouTube comments. That means you lunatics out there who are sick and twisted enough to join us on the daily on Locked On Texas Tech. Always appreciate being your first listen, sick, twisted, or otherwise. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And Chris, a whole lot of fun to dive into here today with some thoughts from the audience, questions or otherwise. So let's get right into it. We've got some hoops to touch on. We'll get to a realignment question. But first, we're going to begin in the football realm with one that I think is pretty intriguing and actually might even feel like it's just a luxury as a tech football fan to even be able to consider such things as this. This comes from our buddy, at West Texas Online, nope, at West Texas Olson 31 or West Texas Olson 31. I'm assuming he's a Dale Brisby fan. This is his question. How does Tyler Shuck compare to some of the best tech quarterbacks of the last 25 or so years? He mentions Mahomes, Harold Simmons, Kingsbury, etc. Love the show. Watch every day is what he says also. So sucking up does work. Get your question in the leadoff spot there, West Texas Olson. Uh, Chris, Mahomes is kind of unique, even among that group. There's some mortals, really good quarterbacks on that list. Then there's Mahomes. So chop it up however you like. But where do you see some similarities or dissimilarities from a guy like Tyler Shuck to some of those we remember fondly? Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the lead of uh, of the of the, the folks that asked the question here, and I'll, let's just give a kind of comparison to to Tyler and to Barron uh, because I think they kind of serve up some answers within their own question. Okay, but I think I think Tyler Shuck reminds me. I think there's some B.J. Simmons there. I also think there's some Cody Hodges there. Uh, both of those guys back in the day able to to run around a bit, uh, strong arms, uh, and, and I and I think what. You know what I you get from Tyler if you're ever around him. There's very much a presence about him. There's this confidence. You you could even call it cocky. Uh, but this is why he kind of was outspoken at times. I think last year at, at at various points because this is just you know if if you were ever around that team back in 2002 when B.J. Simmons was the quarterback and that was an all time great college offense mm-hmm. and an all-time worst uh, or, or close to worst defense. But if if the defense ever had any success in practices, BJ would would say, hey, l- let's get back in here and, and let's just get this fixed. But he he would he would really, you know, and, and during those seasons he he point to the scoreboard. I mean he would tell you about it, but it, he just never thought he was going to lose, and Tyler, <laughs> Tyler just has this presence about him, man. And he kind of he on the offensive side, and and guys like Bradford and and Hutchings and and some people like that, they control that locker room, and I mean that in that they police it, they run it. The people, you know, and Tyler is up there all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. he is just up in that building, studying eight to ten hours a day. I mean, this is just who he is, and. I think the Mahomes comparison is very fair to attach to Baron Morton. And I say that. Really? Yeah. And I say that in that, do I think that, that Baron Morton is in line to get a $500 million contract and be <laughs> basically a small corporation? He's going to no. love hearing this. <laughs> yeah. He's going to love hearing this. Yeah. If he is. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. But their style of play 
it's it's freelance it's unorthodox it's out, it's outside the box a bit the, the arm angles the you know just kind of could fi- you say fi- arm talent yeah d- definitely there too yeah. i mean yeah that is the least of their concerns <laughs> uh and again it doesn't fit in this mold per se that's why you know th- there's there's some baseball player in it there's you know some different things so Anyway, that's what I would uh, that's what I would say about uh, about those two comparisons. But like, I have a healthy respect for for Cody Hodges, sure. and he was very much a dual threat and and sneaky athletic, and that's why I kind of go uh, com- that that comparison with uh, with Tyler Shuck as well because I think that his rushing yards last year, you know, it really surprised some folks. Oh, absolutely, and I think when you at least personally think about guys like Kingsbury or or Simmons and mostly Kingsbury in this category. I think about guys who were taking shots and showing toughness. We're playing through a hell of a lot of pain. I know Simmons had some injuries, some maybe of of a high stepping nature, not more so defensive yeah. violence inflicted, but either way, he was showing toughness as well. BJ Simmons is my, my number one favorite air raid quarterback. And it's mostly just because of the personality. I just love watching that dude play. And you telling that that little story there referencing what he would be like competitively just in practice with his own guys uh, makes me love him even more, Chris. I, I remember so fondly just from uh, my short athletics career, probably more than anything, a lot of those days spent in practice just competing like madmen with your buddies. And I mean, there were so many times I remember so many guys wanted to just come to blows in some of these things because we took it so personally. And obviously that kind of thing is going to translate uh, pretty well onto the floor when the lights are on or onto the field uh, when the lights are on. And, and B.J. Simmons, ultra competitive. But back to the toughness factor, you know, Cliff Kingsbury uh, was not playing behind Graham Harrell's offensive line. There's a reason I didn't mention Graham Harrell necessarily in this category. And when you think of Tyler Shuck, obviously, and now unfortunately in, in one way, uh, adding Baron Morton to that list as well, you're thinking about guys that have had to deal with injury and have returned from injury, Chris, and specifically in Shuck's case, returned in a really successful way. So showing some grit, showing some toughness. I think about guys like Kingsbury, if I'm thinking about uh, some of those attributes going over the last 20, 25 years. But I don't know if there's one specific that I really just draw a lot of parallels to, just thinking maybe Tyler Shuck only. I kind of feel like he's... He's unique unto himself in a way. And with Mahomes on the list, obviously that that kind of makes you want to exclude some things as far as unique attributes are concerned. But um, if I'm thinking Tyler Shuck, Chris, I'm not really thinking, you know, style or approach or even how he's utilized in a similar way to Kingsbury or in a similar way to Harrell or some of these others. And I know they're in a different offense. Obviously that makes sense. But you just mentioned the name Colin Klein yesterday, you know, and that's not a name I'd be associating with a lot of those other guys, at least as far as how they were utilized. So maybe Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton or whoever is to follow, you know, really has a chance to carve out a new kind of niche uh, as a Texas Tech quarterback or what we think of one to be. Yeah, you know, and he's, uh, how about this? He's a bigger version because the reason you can do the Colin Klein thing, he's a bigger version of what uh, of what BJ and Cody were. He's He's taller, weighs more. I mean, we're talking 6'3", 235. I mean, that, it's a big boy. I mean, he checks he checks the measurables of what the NFL looks for, you know, and, yep. and I think that that is important to note. And so you can also, with that, kind of utilize him in the, in the Colin Klein role. Because Colin Klein at, at Kansas State that year, man, he, yeah, I think he would have been 
probably a little bit taller, a little bit heavier, and and in majored in the run game. I don't think he had near the arm or accuracy that, that that Tyler does. But the point still stands. It's kind of a yeah. It's a hard hard guy to nail down on on kind of a comparison. But that's as good as I can do. All right, man. Good thoughts there. Thanks for the question. On to the next one. West Texas Old Sun thirty one. We're sticking with uh, football though, and actually something that's. Kind of on our doorstep right now. Spring camp is in progress for Joey McGuire and the gang. And RBR281330. 8004? Where's the 80? Yeah, 281330. RBR281330. Maybe Mike Jones in the audience. Ask this question, Chris. Have spring football games become an outdated event? I know that we saw some news with the Houston spring game, and they're just basically saying, we're moving it in because uh, I think weather or something and nobody can come and forget about it. People are angry about that. I've seen some other interesting changes. I saw like the Gronkowski brothers are going to be spring game team captains uh, with Arizona this season, which I thought was kind of a uh, an exciting idea to get maybe some competitive alums back in the mix. But uh, I thought this was an interesting question. Have spring football games become outdated? But first, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, NBA postseason on your mind. Now's the perfect time to get in as a new customer with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel app today, and you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet don't bank. You feel me? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on anything and everything. Money line, point scores, how many fans LeBron gets kicked out in the first quarter, whatever you want, they got it. Plus, FanDuel is even going to let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. Smoking on that same game parlay pack, my man, only with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets today when you go to FanDuel.com. Slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more and make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I thought this was an interesting question. Have spring football games become outdated? Yeah. So here's on, on the one end, you, you have Houston that is, is basically kind of canceled it. They're just going to have a, another practice. You had, I think, Kansas State last year did not have a spring game. I think Mike Gundy has at Oklahoma State has eliminated their spring game. A lot of this, a lot of the Kansas State-Oklahoma State scenarios had to do with we, we just don't have enough healthy linemen to, to you know, put together any kind of game scenario, and so it just isn't worth it. I think that was the Chris Kleiman and, and, and Mike Gundy. The, the, the point still stands, though, is that some view it as just this unnecessary need to have this kind of glorified, you know, event and like we'll call it a game when really it is. It's just a 15th practice. Now, the other side of that is that Colorado going to have 45,000 people at their spring game this year. Way seen, on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think I think there's a few programs in the SEC that will put more more fans in their stands than that uh, for, for their spring game scenario. Does anybody ultimately get anything out of it? I, I, I don't know. I would let everybody else that's like in, internal uh, speak to that. But, you know, because coaches are very leery of what they're going to show. They know these are on TV or televised or videoed or whatever. And so they're very reluctant to show certain personnel packages, certain plays, you know, things like that for fear of, okay, well, a team can start scouting us 
you know, all summer long based on what we've shown them in the, in the spring game. I think, I think somebody like Joey McGuire, they, they utilize this event as, you know, a recruiting tool, you know, and, 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 and just to have kind of some pomp and circumstance going on and some buzz around your program, because you have, you have prospects that come into town and, and, and visit. And so there, there are a variety of different uses uh, and vehicles that you can use these spring games for, but, and I've even heard there used to be talk and I think it's a little more serious now. I don't think this will ever happen, but I've even heard that, you know, would, would programs benefit more from like a, a scrimmage? And, and, and what I mean by that is against another school uh, that doesn't count. Uh, it would be officiated. In other words, like you're playing Tarleton State in, in this this September for a real game. It's your one kind of guarantee uh, game. The rest of your schedule is going to be very, very difficult. But would it behoove you to to, you know, set up a scrimmage with somebody like that and, and do that. And you can charge people. You could actually kind of treat it like a, a mini game and have officials. And I don't know. I don't know if teams would go for that. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, Oklahoma and Tulsa, I heard that, that, that conversation. I mean, you know, could Texas play rice? I mean, you know, I, I don't think you would play somebody like in your same league or anything like that, but is there a regional, you know, uh, opponent that would, would benefit from something like that as opposed to just a, a quote-unquote 15th practice. I think you could make the argument you would get a lot more out of that. You would learn more out of a scenario like that, but you would also put your players at risk more uh, for injury as well. And I know that everybody really just wants to get through a spring and not not get anybody dinged up. So outdated or not, I don't know, but it does appear that institutions or head coaches or whatever feel very – differently about uh about how they're supposed to be utilized um i think as far as the actual event clearly it, it behooves you most just as the as a marketing product uh whether to future athletes as far as recruits or just to fans or to raise money which i don't think you should ever charge anyone a single red cent to get into a spring game for crying out loud because at the end of the day it is just another practice but is it outdated? I have a hard time putting that label on it. I just think you've got to be innovative or you'll be outdated. Any of us will if you're not thinking creatively as to how best market yourself, either again to fans uh, or to those potential recruits. That opportunity is there for you if you want it. I don't think anybody's up in arms if something goes the wrong way weather-wise and you got to cancel it. I, I mean, whatever. Things happen out of your control. And yeah, I'm sure coaches, I mean, what do they care about marketing? Right. I mean, the great ones probably have some feel for it, but some others have survived without that, Chris. If they're just really good football coaches, they're not, you know, head marketers, so to speak, um, whenever they take the job. But I get why they'd say, yeah, I don't care. Oh, we can't have it outside with all these boo hoo. I guess we'll just have the practice. I, I totally understand that. But at the same time, I, I do feel like, well, I'll say this you mentioning that idea is really interesting to me because that's just another one on the list. I love to see all my great ideas that I espoused as a local yokel on local radio for 15 years now bubbling up to the surface because I called this many years ago when they started charging us to get into the Texas Tech spring game. And I'm like, brother, you got to wear a ski mask at the gate if you're charging me to get into a practice. So if you want to charge me for something, let's get a game going. And you know, I hate speaking of highway robbery, you know, I hate these non-conference games with the Tarletons of the world. And again, I hate that Tarleton's going to be the example this count football calendar year because there's some tough hombres at Tarleton, and I don't want to cross any of them, all right? Don't be looking me up. You're just the example. 
Um, and so I used to kind of jokingly pipe dream, you know, kind of like an expanded college football playoff was a pipe dream once upon a time. I used to just kind of jokingly say, man, get rid of these. If we got to subsidize these other athletics departments with this non-conference football game, can we subsidize them in the spring and not take up time <laughs> in the fall? So I, I still kind of think pipe dream territory, Chris, because of the thing you finished with, which was avoiding injury. And when you combine that with the thought of like, what are we really going to show or put out there for anybody to see as a team strategy wise? Nothing. That's why I still think, yeah, pipe dream realm to advance it with somebody in a different colored shirt from another city. Because I, the injury aspect, I mean, how dumb would you feel if you're leaving a spring? And I know it can happen anyway, but if you were leaving a spring uh, with a significant injury, mostly related to the fact that you played a little bit more probably competitive either practice scrimmage or game than you would have, uh, again, if you were just playing with yourself. Yeah, I mean, no <laughs> no, no doubt. And, and the thing is, like, in those uh, those spring game scenarios, like, like we'll skip ahead to two weeks from now when the Red Raiders are, are going to go through that. You may see guys like Tyler Shuck, that first-team offensive line, you know, a series or two maybe – it's kind of like the the first uh, NFL preseason game, or the last one, however you want to look at it. But you know, you just kind of mi- mi- minimal minimal starter usage in, in, in those scenarios. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. we'll yeah we'll see. It, it doesn't before we leave this topic though. It doesn't surprise me at all that Mike Gundy and Dana Holgerson though were like, yeah, man, we're, <laughs> we're good on that deal. Pre- appreciate it, you know. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah, that's Don't right. Ever, 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 ever come by here. <laughs> the mullet and the skullet yeah. are good and moving on. As are we, and we're going to step into another realm. That being hoops, Chris got a couple of hoops thoughts from the audience. As obviously the Texas Tech basketball world has been spinning furiously. Here's a question as it relates. Uh, to some future thoughts for Texas Tech men's basketball from ICG 9370. <laughs> of the Midland ICGs 9370, I'm assuming. Can you guys do a breakdown of the basketball roster of who can transfer, who cannot for 23-24? And Chris, maybe it's just something along the lines of who's facing a consequence <laughs> if you were to say I'm leaving? <clears throat> yeah, uh, I... Uh... I think I'm understanding the question correctly. And then what I'm going to say to you is that I think they all can. Now, I think that some of them, here's the the answer to your question, though, that some of them are going to have to go, if they do want to leave, they're going to have to go through a process of of getting a waiver granted and, and, and suggesting that, hey, this coach was let go here. I went through it, – it's really messed me up. I've got mental health issues. I don't know what, what card you 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 play, and, and, and that may be very real. I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the NCAA will have to grant that to allow the following uh, immediate eligibility. I mean, Kyron Lindsay would be in that camp. Uh, Jalen Tyson would be in that camp. Kerwin Walton would be in that camp. Uh, Daniel Bacho in that camp. And as we saw uh, earlier in the week, he is in the portal. Uh, I believe Davion Harmon would be in that camp. I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, Fardaz would, would have been in that camp, but he's still in the in the portal. So I don't know if I, if I hit everybody, but th- there, there's that group of players that have come from another institution here and they've used up their quote-unquote fr- freebie uh, that the NCAA yeah. allows. And so 
but I, I think in situations like what went on, as public as it was, and as I don't know, controversial as it was, I cannot imagine the NCAA holding any of these kids' feet to the fire and suggesting, you know, look, you know, you, you you're going to sit it out. We don't, you know, they're just not going to. They would get crushed for that, in my opinion. So uh, they'll just have to go through a process. But you know, otherwise, if if you're if your head coach, um, you know, if you still have the same head coach as you did last season, yeah, the, these guys are kind of they're firm here. They would not have been, uh, I think, even granted any kind of waiver unless you have, you know, hey man, my my mom several hours away is very ill uh, or my grandmother, I've got to go live closer. I mean, there, there's circumstances like that, that I think they, they would allow uh, you to, to get out of that uh, having to sit out a year, but yeah, hopefully I've answered the question correctly. Yeah. So uh, it's a mental anguish plea or something like we talked about well, yesterday. You're going to have to go through, have to go through the process. So uh there are some who will face, and when I say consequences, I just mean essentially that, hurdles to get over. And uh, maybe on the other end, I don't know, losing eligibility or having to sit years, things like that. But Because prime example, Casey, Kyron Lindsey, he transferred at semester, okay, just like Jalen Tyson did the year before, and and they had to sit out the the spring semester. You know, that, that mm. was their – I don't want to call it punishment, but they they were they were not eligible immediately, you know, and so they had to to sit uh, be, because yeah. of that. So I don't I don't know. I, I you know each each guy may have a bit of a different scenario, but that's the big picture uh, on on how they may have to maneuver their way through that if they want to leave and be granted immediate eligibility elsewhere. Okay, good deal. Thanks for the question. ICG nine three seven zero. Uh, stay down, ice cream gang. I think that's what that stands for. <laughs> next question. Actually, next statement. I was excited to get to this one, partly just because I wanted to read it in the way that they wrote it. and Just get some general thoughts, because I think the talent part of the basketball conversation uh, was always something I kept hearing throughout the year, and I don't know if I was jiving with it necessarily, but here's the thought from Judah. Zab Judah. 9934. I think this year's team was one of the best teams Tech done put together in the last six years. Just a misuse of players <laughs> and injuries. To me, it was a sweet 16 team. Not a question, but an observation, Chris. And I kept hearing throughout the year when I talked with fellow Texas Tech basketball fans, the talent is there, the talent is there, the talent is there. We got as much talent as anybody in the Big 12. Talent, 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 talent. You had some talented guys, in my opinion, but I was never quite overwhelmed with some talent wave. How did you gauge really what the talent level was versus then what you obviously wound up with on the floor? Well, um, young talent and injured talent isn't the same thing as is just you know most talented, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I would also say I didn't really like the way that this puzzle ultimately was tried to fit together. It, it because it was. A lot of ancillary parts, a lot of uh, parts that um, I, I just think when you have, you know, Harmon and, and Isaacs on the floor at the same time, you, you, you tilt to being really small. When you had Bacho and Fardos on the, on the floor at the same time, you tilt to be really big. But that comes with a price at some level. Um, I think that you have a hard time on one end 
guarding in one-on-one situations with, with the smaller guards and, and getting, getting picked on maybe down in the post, whereas the other, you know, you, you're going to have a hard time guarding on the perimeter when you get, you get those bigs pulled away from the, the basket. So it, at some level that was a bit flawed to me. I, I, I think that, you know, again, not to pick on these guys, but I just think the Kerwin Walton and the DeMorion Williams piece of this, I mean, there is a long list of guys that, were rumored or actually visited here last year that excelled like, I mean, excelled big time. Uh, one at Baylor, one at uh, Seton Hall, one at Cincinnati, one at Arizona, one at Miami. Um, I, I could go on and on. Yeah. And if, and if any one of those guys is here instead of, uh, you know, one at Xavier, uh, but if any one of those guys is here instead of one of those two guys that actually ended up here, it could have changed the outlook on your entire season uh, because as I saw with a lot of those players mentioned, they just won at Kansas state. Sorry. I keep getting a uh, uh, memory fresh on, on, on all those uh, players. that they Enough, Chris. Yeah, that's Enough. right. That's right. Um, so that, that, that's where, that's where, because I'm not going to blame these freshmen. They just got pushed into it much earlier than they needed to be, but it's because Williams and Walton weren't, quite ready or good enough and so they got passed hmm. and so that's that's where the rub was uh in my opinion but i i don't i don't believe I mean, this this team was ninth place in the uh in the big 12 conference i think that we never really truly got to see what they were capable of over the long term because of the injury to fardos and because of some injuries to some other True. guys when they were playing well they were they were scary i just I, was it sustainable was it you know because they 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 showed that they couldn't sustain it and and then the wheels kind of came off so i mean it, it's like who the heck were you really will the real texas tech basketball teams please stand up <laughs> so um i but I, do, do i think that this year's team was was like as talented as last year's team not even close no not even close and compared uh, to others in the Big 12 Conference, I don't feel like you were keeping any special company. Uh, just our personal take, but uh, some may disagree out there. Maybe Judah 9934. But thanks for the thought, the comment, either way. And Chris, I think that's one of the best answers you done put together in this week's episode. So appreciate <laughs> your insight there. Before we're out of here, why not wrap up the week, dipping our toe back into the realignment pond, Chris, with just a question here uh, from Glenn Thomason, 1428, that involves some we don't really talk about. I think for some different reasons as well. What do you guys think of the Oregon and Washington State schools? So he's talking about both Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, and Washington. Would He says that would get the Big 12 in the Pacific time zone. I feel like, at least in my Big 12 mind, these are non-starters for different reasons. Oregon, Washington, obviously the top line there that you would say yes to if they would say yes to you, but I never thought they would. I think also such disparate cultures, geographies, not that that really matters, but I'm sure they think we're bums and uh, you know how that goes from the left coast uh, to where we are here in the great state. So I haven't even really started that conversation with those two or like entertained that. And then I don't, I don't know if we even need to answer the Cougar Beaver question. They're dilutive additions. There's a reason why they're scrambling right now. <laughs> Timing is everything. Maybe the Beaver Cougar question, uh, Chris. But how do you feel about those distant friends off in the Pacific Northwest? 
Well, you know, o- Oregon and Washington are the are the re- really the biggest brands left. I think in the in the Pac-12 conference. I think that's according to what most of the TV folks uh, say. I think anybody would be crazy not to to want them. I don't know of any sort of like package deal where the Oregon State and and Washington State kind of come with. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that the Big Ten will have the final say so in in what Oregon and Washington do. I also think that whatever media agreement you you read about or or are rumored about or whatever as it relates to the Pac-12 conference, I think Oregon and Washington are actually in a position to to request and be granted slightly unequal revenue possibly yep. if if they want to to go that route uh, because of how much money that they may be leaving on the table or with with, with the the Big Ten scenario and I, and I do believe that is very real. And that that is still an active possibility. I think you 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 can read to the contrary in some places too. Of how USC has basically said no. If you want us, you are not getting them. I don't I don't necessarily buy buy that. Uh, but yeah, the, the the bottom of the of of the food chain in the Pac-12 right now is Oregon State, Washington State. That that's that is. Uh, they are the least wanted. They are the they are the most vulnerable. They are bring bring the the, the least amount to the table. And this is an Oregon State team that's ranked in the top twenty five and will be this year. Okay, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And we know Washington State when Mike was there, they were in bowl games and all those things. Sure. Th- these are smaller schools. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of uh, move the needle when it comes to TV uh, markets and things like that. These are hard places to get to in Corvallis and, um, geez, where's Washington State? Pullman. Uh, yeah, Pullman. Yeah, I think that's very difficult actually to get to. Uh, Mike's talked about that, but uh, got to come in by hang glider. <laughs> yeah, the, the the other ones you don't hear a lot about either is Cal and Stanford. You know, they. I think they feel like they are somewhat tied to Oregon and Washington if there was ever a Big Ten deal. But I don't know if that's true or not. But they're very academic-oriented. We know all these things. And that's why I think you continue to hear the four corner schools closely associated with the Big 12 Conference. One, two, three, or four of them, you know. So yeah. um, that that's what that uh, that's what that looks like. But see, it, it, that's what's funny is the academic part of it I mean, all of a sudden you're just going to drop everything and go, okay, San Diego State. I mean, because yeah, after all this posturing, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to be mean, and people could make fun of Texas Tech's academics and all those things, but I don't think anybody around here is acting like Texas Tech is an Ivy League education. But for you to play the academia card and the AAU or a, whatever it is that 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 whole like a, a exclusive club. And then, and then for them to suggest, okay, San Diego State, come on, let, let's let's just let's let's party, let's have a cocktail and, and all that, and let's do this. <laughs> I, I just uh, that that is laughable to me because it just doesn't mean that you you really believed any of that, and that's why I'm leery of that actually being a possibility on expansion. You know, reality tech, uh, checks can often be jarring, uh, Chris, and maybe that way for for <laughs> Cal and Stanford and some others who are left. Uh, hold in the pell. All right, Glenn Thomason, one, four, two, eight. Thanks for the question. Uh, any other Cougar Beaver questions you got, just bring them right back here to Locked On <laughs> Texas Tech. Quack, quack. Chris, thanks for all the perspectives, man. Enjoyed the conversation. And certainly thanks to all those who join us in the YouTube comments. 
on the regular. Thanks for making us your first listen once again on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Hope you'll check out Locked On College Basketball for your second listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're back around on Monday to do it over with you again. Chris, looking forward to it, man. Thanks for the time. Happy Easter, everybody. Enjoy the Masters and all that comes with that. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. Keep hope alive. You got it. For Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. We'll see you for the next one on Locked On Texas Tech.